Welcome to the Pranabu Show. I'm your host, Tina Louise Belodi. And I'm Alan Belodi. I'm Isabella Sarah Belodi. And I'm Gabrielle Alexa Belodi. Ronnie Landis is an integrative health specialist and self-mastery coach who is one of the leading educators of the new generation on raw living foods and superfoods, tonic herbalism, blender alchemy, hormone balance, brain health, optimizing the human body, performance strategies, and functional nutrition. He is an author, professional speaker, and lifestyle design specialist who conducts live presentations, workshops, conferences, private consultations, superfood chocolate parties, and retreats regularly. His books, Life Food Peak Performance System, The Inner Alchemy Youthening Program, and his newest book, The Holistic Health Mastery Program, are now available. His personal mission is to uplift others by spreading a health message based on self-sovereignty, inner resourcefulness, and personal empowerment. Ronnie believes that in order to truly manifest our dreams, we must first embody them in a healthy, hormonally balanced, and disease-free body. Hi, Prana Boosters! Today's featured guest, Prana Booster, is the inspirational, brilliant, courageous Ronnie Landis. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for bring, being on the Prana Boost uh, show today. We're so grateful to have you here with us to share space and time together. And it's so wonderful to connect with you today. Mm, yeah, thank you for having me. And thank you for that little bit of introduction. I really resonate with the word courage. I've been talking a lot about the necessity of being more courageous in our life and um, activating those heroic qualities in a world that really needs it right now. So I really resonate with that. Absolutely. And I'm excited. I'm so excited to talk to you because I've been following you for quite a while and I've been really enjoying hearing your story and your perspective on health and healing. And I'm, I personally am very grateful for the work that you're doing. Um, you know, I see a lot of myself in you. I know we're all trying to empower each other and inspire each other and bring these knowledge and teachings to everyone that, you know, we haven't really known about in the past. You know, now we're living in this space of transparency where we can actually really learn and also um, advocate for ourselves and figure out what is really best for us individually instead of collectively. So I really, really like that. And you know, me personally, I'm excited to bring your teachings, you know, um, to parents and families and grandparents and caregivers of children, because um, that's, you know, a little bit, little bit of my focus on mindful parenting. And but I really think it's vital to every human. So, absolutely, that that is really the core of my directive. Really, when I think about who are the people that I want to touch the most over the trajectory of my career and my life, is it's really like. It's, it's a lot of it is the people that get left um, to the, the wayside of society, which in a lot of cases are the elderly and, and our parents and our grandparents, and we kind of forget about them and put them in nursing homes or things like this. And I've seen my grandmother completely, um, you know, over the years, you know, as degeneration sets in, as immobility sets in, like she has this courage inside of her to keep on going. And I thought for a while, geez, like, what is that? Because she's eating, like, TV dinners and everything else that, that people are eating in society. Like, there's no real nutrition, but there's some kind of force of, of God, if you will, inside of her that allows her to go through every surgery, every every single thing, and still keep on going. Wow. And um, 
I really like to identify with that force. And then I started actually feeding her like real food and raw foods and, and chocolate herbal treats. And then whenever I'm with her, I just load her up and I see the shift. I see her brain turn on. I see, I see things come on with her that's given me a lot of inspiration for that to really empower the wisdom bearers of our society because those those generations 60 70 80 years of human history and american history you can just imagine what they've seen and what yeah, they've been through yeah. and the vault of knowledge that they hold and if we forget about that wisdom and we just defer to more the millennial kind of um uh i guess you could say ambition without the wisdom we're you know we're on a tricky slope we're on a thin line here so i really think that we need like technology is amazing and the advancement of information is amazing but if we don't have wisdom we don't have ancestral and almost like aboriginal wisdom um we can't really fulfill our destiny on the planet i believe yeah i hear you on that and my parents are you know of a similar age you know um approaching 70 and it's it's just um i think the thing that's frustrating to me is that they they are trained though to believe well they they're not going to like that word trained um <laughs> but they have been you know educated to believe things that we're now understanding are not necessarily true they don't have to be true for us and so right. it's kind of a interesting scenario that i feel that i'm in and you're in like we have to kind of bridge that gap it's not you know, and it's not a sense of, you know, we who knows more than whom, but it's just the fact that if this information is available, um, you know, why not look at it? You know, the whole, when you, you know better, do better. You said something really key that I want to just touch on for a minute is um, it's not about who has more information because information is a commodity now. Right. It's everywhere, right? It's right. who can see clearly. Right. You know, they say that in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king, right? Well, we want to activate all three of our eyes, right? right. The one metaphorical right. eye um, behind the eye that sees what these things don't see. And we also need to be physically, you know, uh, in our prime, in our pinnacle, meaning that we don't have degenerative conditions. We don't have neurological conditions that shut down brain function. But we also have a sense of spiritual connection. We have essentially common sense really like I, I you know it's funny i just got off a phone call with my good friend who um we we're talking about animal testing and i i just recently released an article about pharmaceutical industry tied to animal testing and i am very passionate about that and i don't see i do see both sides of it but it's kind of black and white to me in a way and we were talking about that and i was like look here's the thing I'm not going to rely on on animal test studies because, A, they're inaccurate. They don't represent human biology and enzymology and, and, and all the factors. You can't compare a rat to an animal, right? Or, I mean, to a human. Right. But I, I have that perspective because I'm seeing through the lenses of common sense. I don't need peer-reviewed studies to tell me most things. You know what I mean? Like with herbalism or nutrition, it's like, okay – a Pop-Tart is a recently new invention, but a reishi mushroom or a piece of lettuce or tomato or something, that has a longer track record of human usage. So I'm going to go with that. And then if science backs it up, that's great. But I'm not going to wait for science to validate what the mystics already knew. Right. And I, I think that you're in a prime place. Actually, I've never been to Kauai, but I know that you're on the beautiful island of Kauai. 
And I think that there's probably a lot of mysticism to be learned uh, where you're currently located. But I can tell you from my own journey of tapping into my own intuition, um, I can talk to three people on my block of, you know, different neighbors, and everyone's going to have a different experience, you know. So if, I, if we talk about a tomato, we're all going to have a different experience with a tomato. So um, while the studies and the, you know, statistics and everything like that, um, I think sometimes those types of things can block us, you know, from from our connecting with our own selves and going along with whatever people think. So I, I actually mentioned that um, later on, but it's it's interesting to me how trusting people are, you know? So like, oh, I don't feel well, I'm going to go to the doctor, you know? And then they come back and they still don't feel well. And I'm like, well, wait a second. <laughs> I thought yeah. that you're, you know, you went to feel better. And I always use the analogy, which I don't know if it makes sense, you'll have to tell me. But I say, uh, I use this with my own dad. I said, if you took your car in and you picked it up and it wasn't driving, you probably wouldn't trust that. <laughs> you know, that, that mechanic very much. So, but they have like blind trust in their, in their doctors and they build a relationship. They get very close. Some people have relationships lifetimes, you know, with their physician. See that you're touching on something, another funny thing. It's kind of like with religion, my mentor, Michael Beckwith, he made a really good example about this, this whole, um, I guess, dichotomy with religion where he said that, you know, this is the place, I understand why people are still going to the church because this is the place that their mother went to. This is the place their grandmother went to and it fostered community and, and a sense of coherence and a sense of trust in a world that from their peripheral filter is full of fear and uncertainty and this was their only kind of like Sunday of solace, right? Yeah, and so he's like, I understand that. But he also said, following that up, he said, but once the salt has lost its savor, then it's no good. So from his perspective, and I think this is true of everything that we get dogmatic about, um, and we have blind faith without the, without evidence, essentially, without results, is that um, we, we, we have a trust, but it's a, it's a kind of cosmetic trust. It's not a deep conviction, right? It's not... It's not something we know to be true necessarily that guides us through our life. You know, like, so Michael Beckwith is saying that, you know, a spiritual congregation is on the edge of transformation. And so nutrition, for me, it has to be on the edge of innovation. It has to be on the edge of transformation. Does this information lead to potential shifting of a human being? And if not then it's useless, essentially. It may be good information, but applied in the wrong context or applied in the wrong situation. Say, for example, a common, a common example, me, being, me growing up in the raw food world, essentially. Um, you know, I was talking to Dr. Gable Cousins uh, a couple weeks ago about this, and you know, I was like, Here, here's the thing, and this is the thing that you talk about a lot, there's a difference between a short-term diet, a healing diet, a therapeutic diet, when someone's on death's door, they have cancer, they have stage 4 terminal cancer, they have diabetes type 2, whatever the case is, and they are literally on a thin line, they need a different approach, they need fasting, they need juice fasting, they need to get off all animal products, all, you know, most fat, most proteinaceous protein-rich foods, even if they're raw foods, like they need to go on a very specific cleansing pathway in order to come back into balance. But if somebody is relatively healthy and they're just trying to upgrade, then they're going to need something different. So everything is context-related. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said that. And, you know, for me, working with parents and families, the thing is that we were talking about that blind trust. You know, sometimes when I when I became pregnant with my first daughter, I that's when I really started to raise my awareness about what I was eating, what, what I was rubbing on my body, what I was going to rub on their little bodies, what I started to learn about ingredients and things like that. And um, my kids were very, very super sensitive, thank God. So they, you know... Sometimes I would put something on and they would have like, you know, a rash or so we were very aware of what we were doing and we would, you know, see cause and effect and we had this inner experience and everybody would say, oh, well, you can use that product. I use that product. And I'm like, no, I can't because it doesn't work well for us, you know, but being very respectful of them, you know, they still could. So, yeah, we had our own experiences and our own wake up calls and things like that to get on you know to get onto this pathway and then it became fascinating and my kids were also the ones who inspired us to become vegetarian they wouldn't eat animals i mean these are girls who have never had fish they have never they said mama we won't eat anything that had a mommy or eyeballs and they were just there's long stories but they were just huge inspirations and um so they upgraded us you know they helped us raise our awareness and become upgraded and it's been a long, you know, journey and it's, it's constantly evolving. Right. So I love, I love what you're saying. And I think it's so, um, amazing to be able to be in a position like you are to empower others with that knowledge to have the transformation because some people feel very trapped or, you know, um, scared of a diagnosis or a current condition. Yeah. I, you know what, on that note, um, let me take this opportunity just as a declaration for anyone that's new to my work and anyone that's been following my work over the last half a decade. Um, this is where I'm at with the whole conversation. If it's in your heart to be vegan, if it's in your heart to be vegetarian, if it's in your heart any which way that your heart impulses you, you got to listen to that first, right? That's the number one thing I, 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 because I'm not a guru. I'm not a healer. Like I'm a harmonizer, but I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to create more codependency. I actually want people to be sovereign and liberated. And the only way that you can truly do that is listening to the impulses of your soul. And that's where a lot of that distrust comes from is that I think it's good to be open-mindedly skeptical. The world needs that. But to be closed-minded and skeptical and cynical Ooh, that's a mm, that's a dangerous place because you are cutting the you are cutting the um you're cutting your potential to learn. And so we need more consummate students of life and of health and and um entrepreneurship and whatever the person's vehicle is for their own transformation. Um be skeptical but be skeptical with an open mind as a student would instead of being closed-minded because this person in a white trench coat, that likely you have a memory, an imprintation of a memory when you first came into the world, likely your first reference of a human interaction was somebody in a white trench coat slapping you (laughs) or circumcising you or taking you away from your mother at that in-between time when a baby would normally get breastfed to have that direct biological connection and that, that, that hug, right, with the mother at the, that, that point, that window of time that that mother and the child bond for a lifetime, right? So there's a lot we have to flush up and, and basically practice self-awareness. 
Yeah, and to be honest with you, people need proof. They really do. But as soon as they get a taste of wellness and well-being, in my opinion, that's when they start to sway and, and you know, listen. And, you know, years ago, because uh, I have relatives that are were in the pharmaceutical industry, and I have family who, you know, they would say that I wasn't open or that I was harming my family or doing weird stuff because um, the medical industry was not my first line of defense. You know, so I understand the purpose of it for emergency, ambulatory, accidents, things like that. Um, I understand the purpose of it, and I'm very grateful for Western medicine. But I would say I'm, I'm the one who's open-minded because I'm open to all of these options, including Western medicine. You know, they were not open even to um, anything that would be considered, like, alternative, which is thousands of years old, a lot of that information, uh, or more. So, um, yeah, but you know what? It's so ingrained to do what your doctor tells you or do what your family tells you. It's very hard to sort of go against that and have the courage to do that. Um, you know, so that's why I like to help guide people to their own guidance, finding out what feels good to them and being there for them that um, hold their hand essentially through it because it wasn't easy when I did it. It was, <laughs> it was, you know, it hasn't been easy. So I'm sure for you as well, um, I know you have a me. Uh, an amazing story of your journey into holistic health. I don't, I don't know, maybe you want to touch on that a little bit and share with us yeah, I think what brought you here? Yeah, I the synopsis. Um, okay. So, you know, I, long story short, um, I was a professional aspiring athlete in two sports. I was raised as a martial artist since the age of four, and I was pretty much raised with that, and I'm from a very traditional setting, and when I was uh, 18, I was very serious about competing in the Olympics in Taekwondo. I was still playing basketball a little bit in college and figuring out which way I wanted to go with it. And I had my first knee injury when I was about 19, and I had never really experienced being shut down from what I love to do. Pretty much the only activity that allowed me to direct all my life force, all my uh, frustration, all my all those things in a way that was healthy. And so at that time, I had to really reevaluate things. And I pursued uh, my passion. I rehabilitated myself completely, um, continued competing. And then I had another knee surgery when I was 23. And, um, you know, long story short, that's when I got into upgrading my nutrition. I, I did it for sports performance reasons at first. And then I started to realize, like, wow, I feel better. I'm recovering quicker. I'm able to work out a lot more, and I can recover quicker. And then, um, you know, there was a moment in time where I got deep into raw food, and I was I was competing in basketball at this time, giving my dream of playing a professional basketball one more last shot. And I remember I was still overcoming this knee injury. I was about 80% over it, but, you know, there was that little bit as I got older. It was like, ooh, this is a... This is not really, um, it's not fully alleviating itself. So I got into raw food and then within 30 days of going 100% raw, giving up meat and dairy completely, um, getting barefoot, getting out of the cast, we call a rubber shoe, and getting my, my mobility and my, my flexibility of my feet again to be spread out and getting a barefoot connection on the earth, doing this every day for 30 days, I completely healed my knees, um, and I had some insights that led me to believe that my direction in life was no longer going to be this this athletic figure, but it was going to be an orator. I was going to go out and somehow 
communicate this information that was starting to make such a deep impact on me. I almost felt like an ancestral connection with it and what in the, the full picture and what it really meant for humanity. And that's how I got started with it. I started writing. I started um, going out to potlucks and giving lectures. And it just took it took a, a life of its own. And, um, you know, like six, seven years later, here I am. That's awesome. I love that. It's amazing um, how we stumble upon our purpose. Yeah. Even yeah. if we're, like, facing another direction or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So... You know, um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, and I, I don't know if you can just validate this information, but um, I know that doctors in school and people who typically teach us about, you know, nutrition, well, they don't really teach us about nutrition, but they comment about nutrition. Um, they only get something like three hours of nutrition in medical school, something really low like that. And that three hours is is predicated on information that's disseminated from big agriculture so the agriculture industry which is like your basic food pyramid um full of full of you know glyphosate um roundup ready pesticide uh, um influenced uh grains and breads and you know starchy carbohydrates and then like basically factory farm meats and maybe some vegetables that are still kind of like factory farmed in their own way and just this really like um, it, to me, it's like arbitrary information. It's like, okay, thanks for giving us a conversation about what food is and what food we might want to eat. But after years of taking college courses on nutrition, I actually walked out of one of the classes before I even got into being a real serious student of nutrition because something inside of me knew like, okay, this is total nonsense. Yeah. Something yeah. about this is not making sense. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing, right? That when you realize that your typical physician is trained um, maybe three hours, you know, whatever that arbitrary number is, the information that they're getting about nutrition is totally suspect, right? Right, and as well as um, their intention is not to um, service the the root cause of your, you know, problem, right. illness, or disorder, their intention is really to, you know, put a Band-Aid on it, right, and just treat it temporarily. Though I do believe there's obviously physicians who have, you know, the intention of healing. And now there's so many, you know, more holistic physicians which are blending both worlds together. But just a matter of understanding and um, informing people that these these people are not necessarily trained of the healing abilities of what goes in our body of foods. Yeah, right. Like if you're if you have a goal, then you want to go to someone that has specific expertise in that modality. Right. So if you want um, you want diagnostics, like you want to get a diagnosis of something, then going towards an allopathic physician might be a good idea just to get a basic diagnosis. Now we know through like hormone panel testing and microbiome testing and um even genomic testing, we can get much more accurate kind of readings on what our particular situation might be. But that's kind of an idea. Like if you need a surgery, you don't take milk thistle. You go to the emergency room and you get your operation um, if you need the surgery, that is. And that that's a great modality and that makes sense. But 
Um, the problem is this overarching focus on the allopathic and very much the materialistic and diagnostic approach versus what should get most of the attention, which is prevention and nutrition as a way of fueling our body. So our bodies, our body is a self-diagnostic physician in and of itself. Right, so your body is actually set up genetically, epigenetically, you know, biotically, and so on to actually facilitate the healing of itself as a self-preservation and self-innovation vehicle, our biological meat suit, as some people call it. Our body is designed to heal itself via the epigenetic factors of our, our lives, right? And so when someone understands that, it's simply putting the pieces in the right puzzle you know that's what it is and the, the, you know when I bring up this whole thing about looking through the lenses of common sense I didn't need a peer-reviewed study to come to that conclusion I just need to look at the situation and be like okay when people go to these are the statistics on chemotherapy this is what it is okay got it this pretty much doesn't work almost every single time I got it um, but when you go to like Hippocrates or you go to the tree of life um, in Patagonia, Arizona, by Dr. Gabriel Cousins, you go to any of these incredible healing clinics that are dealing with the same conditions, but they're dealing with it in a completely different modality of using natural foods, mostly raw living foods, superfood grain powders, electronic medicine, and different things, that, and actually like focusing on what somebody's dream and vision is, and the, the statistics that are on that are far superior than the ones on the quote-unquote allopathic model, so... Um, you know, when you're able to look through the lenses of common sense in that way, um, I think it just, it just makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the thing that never made sense was um, following what everyone else is doing, especially if it didn't feel good. So, like, for us, you know, um, I remember going to the doctor. I didn't agree with anything our pediatrician said when my kids were little. I mean, I would literally, like, you know, he would say, get them off the bottle, you know, because I, I nursed. And then sometimes that they would have a bottle if I wasn't around. Um, I would pump and things like that, and he would say, get them off the bottle. And I, I would be like, well, that doesn't feel right. It's not a good time yet. Or so I would hide the bottle underneath the stroller, you know, in the elevator on the way up. Like I found myself going against, you know. And so um, it was just a huge wake-up call. And then they would say that, you know, your child is going to get a specific amount of ear infections per year, and you should expect that. And people are – parents are very accepting of it. They're like, okay, good to know. Like I'll be prepared for that. And they – tell them to buy the Tylenol and the ibuprofen and things like that. I mean, we don't even have things like that in our home. I mean, you like you could not find, you know, Pepto-Bismol or any of these, you know, modern day medicines that people have on hand. We don't have them and we haven't had them for like maybe, you know, eight years probably or something. So um, I think I think I'm interested in, you know, helping people raise their standards, right? Like not be as accepting of somebody telling them that illness is normal or illness is natural. I've had a lot of yeah. scenarios with parents where they say, well, I guess I just have a sick child or mine goes to school. So that's a big one because our kids have been homeschooled and they say, well, your kids don't go to school. And I was like, well, they still go out in the world and we go to Target and we take classes and they're still among other humans. We go to theme parks, like, um, you know, and their wellness is still off the charts. So it's everyone tries to find an excuse for your well-being. Yeah, that's that's totally it. Everyone, people are the the biggest disease that I see is excusitis. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like okay, well, how do we make an excuse not to actually deal with what's in front of us? 
You know, how to not critically think. How do we cosmetically cover it up with some kind of story that um, appeals to our, you know, our preference in this situation? Basically meaning that we don't have to lift a finger. You know, that's kind of the... Yeah, we don't have to do the work. You know, I look at it this way. Like, the common denominator is mediocrity. And that common denominator has been elevated to be the standard in which people live their lives. And it's one of excuses. And, and the biggest thing about this is that you've got to divorce your story and marry the truth. You have to know what the truth is. If you don't know what the truth is, you can't change anything. And you're going to be subject. You're going to literally be in a straitjacket to your perpetual circumstances. And there are metaphysical aspects of this that play into our genetic replication, our epigenetics, our our. Um, which I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of touch on, but yeah. you know, the way that we accept per- people's perspectives, um, there's a fear trigger that's turned on and that entire industry, the dental industry, the medical model, um, most industries actually are predicated on fear and I kind of call it a pathology of fear and right. there's, there's a, just to make this example really clear. Um, and very scientific, there's a type of study, there's a type of science called neuroimmuno, um, no, psychoneuroimmunology. And basically what they found out is that in your immune cells, your white blood cells, they have specific receptor sites for your neuropeptides. So basically when someone has certain thoughts and they entertain the same thoughts in the actual vibration the resonant frequency of your thoughts, because your thoughts are mental units of energy, they have a frequency to it. It directly connects to your immune system. So what they found out is that when somebody, for example, goes to get like a routine checkup, they go to get their, uh, what do you call it, your, um, when, when, a, when a man is 50 years old and they go to the doctor, um, what is the conventional term for that? That's like your, your, your midlife checkup or oh, something. I don't even know. Like, Dr. Mercola is going out and telling people, don't even do that. Don't do that. Because basically what they're finding out is that once somebody goes there, then they get a diagnosis of something that never um, manifested symptoms. Say, for example, they, they find, like, the the startings of a tumor. Or polyps find, or something, right? They always find polyps or something. Right. They find something, some kind of abnormality, let's call it. And then they tell the person, they're like, oh, my God. You have a tumor. Oh, my God. You have the starting of cancer. It's going to metastasize. It's going to grow out of control. We need to get you on chemotherapy. We need to surgically remove that. We need to get you on radiation. We need to cut that out right now. And it's literally like that. I've, I, I, you know, just for context, I worked in the emergency room in Oakland for three years before I became a professional speaker and nutritionist. So I have a full visceral experience of what actually goes down and I think it was part of my destiny. Somehow I needed to become witness to the reality right, of happens in the dungeon of the emergency room, right? Like the worst of the worst. I've seen it. And um, this essentially goes down in these meetings. And then what happens is when somebody leaves the meeting, they're so shell-shocked. They're so, in, they're so inoculated with the virus of fear that their immune system immediately collapses. And they've done studies to track people how long it took for that cancer to metastasize or that tumor to grow after they've gone to the doctor's office. It's, it's incredible. Wow. That's crazy. That's, I mean, I totally get that, that 
all you're like touching on all my questions that I have or comments for you because I <laughs> you know one of the things I wanted to talk about was you know what happens if we eat these healthy foods or somebody goes raw or somebody you know goes vegan and transforms themselves but then you know they don't have awareness of their thoughts beliefs or their emotions you know they yes. don't have a spiritual practice like meditation where they come back into themselves from being outside mm -hmm. in everybody else's business so um you know it's kind of the whole mind body spirit um connection that's important so that that actually brings us to what you were referring to earlier i just had the pleasure i didn't launch it yet i, I still have to um catch up but i just had the pleasure of speaking with dr bruce lipton yes um, about epigenetics and all all sorts of like cellular biology and it, it's just, it's amazing to me because what, what's happened for me, which is why I was glad to have him on and have you on, is that, you know, a lot of the stuff I've been studying for the last, like, 13 years. And before that, I was always very interested in medicine. I took a lot of nursing classes. For some reason, I didn't go down that route. I just didn't feel good about it. Nothing felt good about it. But here I am back in, you know, the awareness of this space because healing and feeling well um, has always been a focus of mine. So... I take a lot of this to be truth to me. I read it, I try it, I integrate it into our lives, and then for us it works, and we have great um, health and benefits, but then, you know, when I need to go teach it and explain it to people, I don't know the exact terminology to say, so I love that you guys can back it up. I'd love to talk about epigenetics. Um, even my daughters know this word, because they know that I say it around the house, but I think it's very important for people to know. I just had a talk with a and one of my relatives as well, and they believe like, oh, well, it's genetic. You know, my mom had it, so obviously I'm going to get it, or obviously my chances are higher, but you carry the gene, and of course you're going to get it. So one of those conversations, so I'd like you to shine a light on that for us. Um, explain a little bit more, because what I've heard is that, you know, even for cancer, let's say, 90% of cancers... Um, are due to one's lifestyle and you know 10% is hereditary and related oh, yeah, to I, genetics. Yes. Yeah. I mean this is an amazing subject and I'll try not to there's so many directions I could go with it because yeah. I'm I'm very well versed in all, I I feel like almost the totality of this subject and so many things come across my radar but what I will say is that in the field of genetics you have to you have to understand um, where the original dogma comes from, you you know, in the kind of the reductionist materialistic science of it, where does it actually come from that we have these these archetypes or these these paradigms that oh, it's in your genetics, and your genetics determine your destiny. Bruce Lipton has a great quote that says, "Your genes do not determine your destiny." Right? <clears throat> That's kind of he helped bear out the whole field of epigenetics. Um, so one of the things I find really interesting when I studied the 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 past ideology of genetics is that most of most of what we understand about it or did understand about it came from a term called junk DNA, where basically researchers were studying our genome and um, our DNA, the double helix that that in the chromosomes that carry that information. Um, they were studying that, and they came to find that the vast majority of our genes were inactive. Or what they thought they had no purpose, like Richard Dawkins, which is very kind of like materialistic scientist. He he used to kind of make the analogy that um, <clears throat> it's really unfortunate that most of our genes seem to have no viable function, 
And what we find out now through the study of epigenetics is that those quote-unquote junk DNA, they're not junk DNA, they're deactivated or unactivated genes that have very catalytic potential for all kinds of functions of our human body for healing and for regeneration, rejuvenation, and essentially longevity. And so I'll make this analogy really quick. If you take the, if you take the example of a magazine, um, the junk DNA, another word for it is non-coding DNA. So if you look at a magazine, you have a certain theme to the magazine, right? It might be like a fitness magazine. And then you have articles or, or I should say advertisements. Now, all the relevant advertisements like whatever, protein powder or whatever, supplements, those are considered relevant advertisements or relevant genes, right? Those are relevant to the theme, our biology, what we understand about our, our biology. But then there's advertisements that are non-relevant, that seem like they're just random, like what are they doing in here? Um, they serve no purpose. That would be non-coding genes, or junk DNA, simply because we don't understand what they're doing there, because we don't understand how environmental factors, nutritional factors, emotional, relational factors, um, and the impulses of our electromagnetic heart actually affect the switching board of our genes. So certain genes are turned off, certain genes are turned on. A lot of those genes are turned on by the introduction of a mother's breast milk. A lot of people were not fed mother's breast milk. So certain genes are deactivated or they're in the middle, they're like shutting down. Some of those genes you could say are weight gain genes. Some genes are lean muscle genes, fat-burning genes, just, as, just for simplicity's sake. Some people have more of a genetic advantage where they're more athletic. They have more what's called phenotypical expressions of an advanced – it's kind of a weird way of thinking about it. But if you were to think of like, you know, like our star athletes, people that are quote-unquote blessed with like physical characteristics. Right. That would, be called, that would be like a juvenile phenotype. A phenotype is the physical characteristic or the physical expression of your genes. So your skin – your nails, your your physical template, your hair, your eyes, um, and your ability to regenerate those faculties is your phenotypical expression, right? And juvenile re, um, refers to basically the youthful qualities of a mammal, okay? So some people have more juvenile phenotypes than others. Some people appear to age quicker. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. We, so the old dogma was that, oh, well, that's just your lot in life. I, I grew up with personal development literature. I think that's why I'm able to streamline the cross-connection of all these different philosophies because I grew up with Anthony Robbins. I grew up with Jim Rohn. I was very aware that um, my lot in life was just where I'm at. That's it. No story, nothing. I can change my circumstances, so why can't I change my genetic expression? Why can't I change my potential for longevity right, and, right. and graceful aging for becoming more athletic, for healing, my healing potential? It's the same psychology, but then there's real genetic and epigenetic factors that enhance those qualities when we have the right attitude. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I think 
for me, I can tell you the the thing is, is that it was just so overwhelming. I mean, I had to, I had to. There's just so much. I mean, it's not that there's just so much to learn. There's so much to change and shift and alter and like. Through. Yeah. So I mean, we didn't do it overnight. So when I talk to people about transformation, it's not like it happens like that. And, and if you, you just got the Holy Ghost one morning, and now you're you you're, yeah. you. Yeah. No, I, I look back on pictures of when my kids were, you know, initially babies, and I see products in the bathtub. Like, oh my God, I would, you know, I would never purchase that product. Now I know what's in it, and you know, little it was little by little by little changes, and then you know, finding out what was in my makeup. You know, like I wear vegan makeup that's not been tested on animals, and I'm aware of the, you know, what's in it, and there's not like you know crushed up little beetles in it. You know, things like that, but. So many things based on how you feel and how you want to show up in the world and how you want to participate in the environment and in your own health. And it is overwhelming. You know, um, I mean, we started, it's funny, I remember I did a blog, um, I think it was like 2007 or 2008, and I said, I was reading the back of a package and it it was the beginning of saying non-GMO. And I remember telling my husband, and I wrote this, I said, well, I don't know what, you know, GMOs are, but I'm glad they're not in here because they don't sound great. And they, and since they didn't put them in, maybe they know something I don't know. And it's funny. I mean, I just didn't know anything. And, um, but it's overwhelming because you're like, oh, well, it's organic, but it's not, you know, or or it's not organic, but it's non-GMO. I mean, it's so overwhelming. And I say to people, I say, you know, there's a 400% increase in food allergies. I mean, that's something to look at, you know. So when I bake, when we bake our own cake and we bring it to a children's birthday party, you know, I have to be able to have the courage to do that, to show up differently and to walk our truth. And, you know, a lot of people want to go with the flow and go with the crowd and not go against and they think it's offensive. But um, I think it's important to do those things and make those changes. And some people have life-threatening allergies. They have to make the changes. Yeah. There, there's um, people, people say ignorance is bliss. The reality is that there's a consequence to ignorance. I don't think they seem blissful, though. <laughs> no, well, that's that's again, that's another ex- yeah. that's their product of excusitis. Just a, it's right. just a convenient way to ignore something. But right. there are consequences yeah. of ignorance, and history has told us this time and time again. And um, this is a really just on on this note. I'll try to make this quick. Is that um, I've been really into Stoic philosophy, like Seneca and the Roman philosophy of Stoism, discipline, folk, you know, old school values. And one of the things that I found interesting out of that is that one of the phrases I got out of that was every civilization begins with the Stoics and ends with the Epicureans. And the Epicureans were those people that were like wine and cheese, live for tonight, live for today, because all you have is today. All you have is this present moment. It's basically like credit card consciousness, right? Oh, just charge it on the card because, you know, we don't know how long we're going to have to live. But that's exactly the mindset that has, has befallen every major civilization. And so I really want to take it back to that is responsibility, is that you are responsible for your life. You're responsible for your body. You were gifted this magnificent vehicle called a body, and you are responsible for every aspect of your life. Now, that may seem overwhelming. It's really not. It's just a shift in your mindset. It causes you to start looking at labels. It causes you to start looking, wow, how much sugar does this 
potato chip, this organic non-GMO potato chip. What kind of oils are they using in these organic non-potato chips? It causes you to start to upgrade your, your value system essentially. And this, and you brought up something really important that I just want to make super easy for people to understand. What do you do about this? Processed food, um, organic, not organic, food allergies. Here's what I've come to the simplest thing. Raw living foods, superfoods, herbs, upgrading your water every step of the way. Um, and that, and when you start to add in, right, like subtraction by addition, you add in those things, you naturally will push out the food allergies. Because what are the major food allergies? They're dairy, soy, wheat, corn, refined sugar, eggs, peanut allergies, which is basically like a fungal toxin from, from, from just the manufacturing of these things. And so those are the main food allergies and shellfish, shell, shell uh, seafood and that kind of thing. So if you already know that, it's like, wow, okay, well, a, a high living foods lifestyle, plant-based living foods, superfood smoothies, herbs, that automatically pushes the majority of those antagonistic um, food options out of the door without you having to really struggle through it. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and I've also felt that you're actually, um, I don't know how to say this like nicely, but I've, I've told people, you know, I think you're kind of blessed. They're like, oh, my child has an allergy. They can't eat that. And I'm like, what a blessing. Like, that's awesome. Because you know what? If you choose this consciously and you tell people that this is how you eat and you don't have a good excuse like a medical condition, um, they don't often respect it. You know, I mean, if you go to a restaurant and you order, some people might not serve you what you ask unless you flag it for allergy. Then they take it seriously because they're legally responsible. Um, so it's a challenging space to be in, um, but I think it's important, you know, that we, that we um, like you said, that you touched on the fact that it's about taking responsibility and raising your awareness, and if you want to improve your lifestyle, you're going to have to step up and do the work to, you know, learn about what's best for you. So in our house, you know, a lot of, there's, there's so much to learn. I mean, like you were mentioning um, herbs and, um, what, did, what else did you say? Living, just like living plant-based Oh, tonics, food. herbs and Tonic, tonics yeah. and, yeah, all Tonic living, raw foods. living foods and stuff. I mean, we're ready, actually getting ready for the next level of learning even more about how we eat. And I think it's a constant evolution. And, you know, in our house, I've wanted to teach my kids, they're 10 and 12. Uh, we have two girls. I wanted to teach them how to empower them. So, like, they would come to me and they would say, you know, can I have this? Can I have that? And I'm looking in, what a responsibility as a parent, like, I'm thinking to myself, how on earth would I know? Because first of all, I'm full of fear. I have yes. tons of things downloaded to me over the years of what I think is healthy or not healthy. So um, we actually got into using, you know, doing energy work. We actually got into using, you know, a pendulum. And I mean, I'll be at Whole Foods using my pendulum. Like, is this a good, you know, food for me to buy? Is this a ripe watermelon? Like, I use it all the time. But we also do muscle testing. So, like, my kids will say, you know, can I have another cookie? And I'll say, well, I don't know. Let's muscle test you. Let's see what your body says. Right. That way, I'm taking the pressure off of me, and I'm actually tuning in and tapping into their own body's needs of what's good for them. And the best part about it is that they really trust me, and they trust the process. So, 
if it says no, they're like, oh, good, no, then I'm done. You know, like, I'm not going to have it. But you know, yeah, you, you have to be willing to make your life your laboratory right. and test right. for results. That's the scientific method. I love method. that. That's awesome. That's a t-shirt, that, Ronnie. I mean, geez, like, that's, that's what the scientific method was supposed to be, was that you create the conditions to create a replicatable, a repeatable result. And if you can't get the same result doing the same thing with the same conditions, epigenetics, then it's not scientific or there's some kind of flaw, right? But most of the science that we get is completely alterable. It's been altered to get a certain result, which is, um, I don't want to rant too much, but it's, it's something called Lysenkoism, which is basically a scientism. It's a scientific dogma that's not scientific. So all the scientific jargon or like, oh, this is not proven by science, like vaccines. Um, hello, that whole industry is, a, is based on a dogma called scientism or Lysenkoism, um, which is just something everyone out there, look it up. I don't, you know, we don't have too much time to go into it, but I want to plant that seed because this is something that's been on my radar for a while once I got those those definitions, those very real terms, I was like, oh, man, we're in trouble. Okay, this whole scientific, like, oh, it has to be proven by science. Like, whoa. Right, but oh. here's my science. If I, okay, here, I'll give you a story really quickly. Our favorite restaurant, my husband and I used to be Benihana. And I don't, right. like, to, I don't like to name names or whatever, but this is my personal experience, okay? So... It was our favorite restaurant, and I, I didn't even really like eating, you know, meat or anything like that. But, um, but we loved this restaurant. We, mostly, I loved the sauces because I love the ginger. Okay. Anyway, long story short, I could not. I, I hit a point in my life where I never felt good after I ate it, and then I hit a point where I was desiring more health and well-being and more, you know, um, raising my vibration and things like that. And I couldn't eat the restaurant without going into the bathroom like i would be sick from the food before i even hit the parking lot and that, that, so that's an experiment and you're getting a certain result right yeah and if somebody would say to me well scientifically this restaurant is you know up to code and it's healthy and blah 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 and it's always been good and everybody's eating it i'd be like listen i was in the bathroom and these are my results so i'm not going to eat there anymore like because i can't because i don't want to feel that bad <laughs> So that so again, I want to return back yeah. to one thing I said before about the common denominator, which is mediocrity. Right. We have right. elevated that to be the standard of our living condition of our life. And so what you're sharing with me is right on target with that idea is that that's a mediocre result. And yet people are like, well, that's just, again, my lot in life, or that's my experience. Yeah. And I like Benihana. I like it. So I'm going to... Where else are we going to go for a celebration? I'm going to overlook the result yeah. and just kind of keep going about it until the consequences of my ignorance outweigh my uh, complacency. Yes. And I, I grew up thinking this. I always thought, why do people seem to be okay with waiting for a crisis or, you know, a major health scare or something to that's up. How, that's how we learn. That's how the human race, and even Deepak Chopra said that. He's like, he's like it appears to me that um, the human race really needs to have their back against the wall until they actually get the message. I know. I wasn't really like that. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a little more um, into, you know, focusing on it and not being reactive, sort of more preventative wellness. But, but we all need that sometimes, you know. So, um 
let me ask you a question. You know, something that I'm, I have so many questions for you. I feel like we could have like a million interviews. Um, I don't know how we'll touch on, you know, everything in this lifetime, but one of the things that's kind of pressing, I want to ask you about, it's a little personal, but, um, so I just turned 42 and my husband just turned 40 and we've been together for this year, 22 years. So we've grown up together. I'm also a hairstylist. So, I mean, I don't use, you know, regular hair color. I don't use nail polish. Like I said, you know, I learned about my makeup, things like that. And as a hairstylist, my entire family uses baby shampoo all these years to to do shampoo, right? So we're mindful of all that stuff. And I'm interested to talk about this. I don't know if you know about it, but I'm starting to get some gray hairs to the point where I'm pulling a few out. Uh huh. Um, okay. And I yep. don't want to do color, so I've been like looking into henna. I got for you. I got something for you okay. right now on that. Okay. okay. There is an incredible product that has just recently come out called Hair Print. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you and about. This product is appears to be. I even got some just to play with because it's not just a natural um, color aid, meaning that it colorizes your hair, which is what you know, uh, chemicalized, uh, hair, I guess, dyes, um, do is that they, they cover it up. But then as a hairstylist, you know, those same people are going to be right back in there with the same issues or probably worse because it degenerates the follicles of the hair and that whole thing. Right. Um, and it's also a sponge. Your brain is the very thin layer between your skull and the transport of your, your pores, I guess, into that tissue, that sponge of your brain. Um, So this product, Hairprint, is really amazing. It's a Makuna-based product, which is, Makuna is an Ayurvedic herb, which is the number one substance ever discovered for something called L-DOPA, which is the direct precursor for a neurotransmitter hormone called dopamine, which is what your adrenal glands run on. It's what your nervous system runs on, just so everyone knows. Um, But it also is really amazing for regenerating the follicles and the hair, the phenotypical expression <laughs> of your hair and that radiance of your shine. And I've seen results where people have put this stuff on and almost immediately it has transformed the coloration of their hair, like on the spot. But it also builds the health of your hair. It doesn't just color it. It actually goes deep into the follicle regions and starts to regenerate the base or the, the um I guess you could saw the origin of where those hairs come from. Yeah, I was so excited. I was so excited to hear about it um, through your friend, David Avocado Wolf. Um, You know, and and so because we're always interested in these types of things, obviously me as a hairstylist, like my kids, you know, my daughter told me, Mommy, it's okay. It just looks like strands of glitter. (laughs) <laughs> when I have gray, but I'm like, listen, I'm young. I, I don't want to be all gray, but I don't. I also am not an advocate for using all those chemicals. And I, I haven't put ever um, permanent color. But I haven't put permanent color on my hair, but then I haven't colored my hair in like six years, probably in in any way, shape or form. But I'm starting to get nervous. You know, I'm like, OK, well, I'm going to have to try to find something. Boom, that pops up. And I'm always uh, looking for something different, you know? Like yeah, if we, check this out. I, wa- I, don't, yeah. I won't interrupt you, but I just want to interject some things for yeah. you and your husband. Just so we're, t- we're on this tip. He's 40, you're 42. Based on my knowledge of hormones and how that affects the whole symphony of your body and, okay. and the expression of your, your phenotype again, um, what I would recommend for you, just in a snapshot, is that you get on what's called Vitex or Chaseberry, 
which has bioactive progesterone or precursors for progesterone, which helps balance out the hormone orchestra, like the bad estrogens that will accumulate over time as a natural product of metabolism and also mostly due to the environmental endocrine disruptors that are just in our environment, even your organic um, lifestyle, your organic foods. There's through all the foods that we've grown up with pesticides, herbicides, rodenticides, insecticides, all that stuff, chemical fertilizers, all the plastic that we've consumed, our fat tissue has stored not only the physical memory, like fragments of those chemicals, but there's an energetic signature that that is encoded into our cells, that's encoded into, um, let's just call it encoded into the matrix of our cells, and uh, there's chemical memory there in our body. So there's a process of psychologically deprogramming that. But just from the what you can do about it, getting your hormones in the right ratio is is really important. So for you, I'd recommend that you start getting on chaseberry, getting on um, herbs like donkwai, like shizandra berry. And then for your husband, have him get on pine pollen, maca, and I like black maca or gelatinized maca. And then um, a third one I'd recommend for him in that combination would probably be uh, – what's coming to me? What's coming to me? Come on, come on, come on. Uh, Hoshu Wu. Okay, so that's all new to us because we haven't you know, dove into the, the yeah, herb yeah. side of things yet. And we have gotten into juicing the last couple years and – you know, integrating that into our lifestyle. But yeah, that's, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's what I wanted to say. I know that those are signs and flags of deeper bodily, you know, functions that are actually going on in your biology of your body. So it's not just worrying about like how you look or what you look like. Those are actually signs and we always have signs of what's happening inside, um, produced on the outside. So, um, I'm interested to learn more about all of those things that you said, plus the, um, the herbs and learning how to, um, take the herbs, try to figure out what herbs are for us, also understand the safety and purchase of herbs. Um, so I know that's a lot of, all of this stuff I want to mention, um, I was going to wait till the end to mention it, but now it just makes sense. I know that you offer your holistic health mastery, um, certification program in which you teach about all of these topics that we're talking about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's deep. It's deep. It's probably the most comprehensive online educational platform in terms of where I would consider the full spectrum starting from actually starting from your psychology first and then going into the basics of all the basics of raw living food nutrition and then going into superfoods then going into tonic herbalism and the nuances with that we have a whole series on hormone mastery we have a whole series on Chinese herbalism on brain health we even have three videos on pregnancy nutrition for each um, like preconception, um, during conception, post-conception, and what to feed a newborn child when they're first developing their nervous system and their bone and their brain and all that. Um, you know, more so much more than that. But do yeah, touch, that's, do you touch in your course on? Um, I wanted to bring it up, but I'm not sure it's such a hot topic. But do you touch in there about vaccines? Um, you know what? I, I did, before I got really passionate about that topic, I completed that program. And that's kind of a subject that um, I, I wash over in my lectures. I, I have certain little rants on other interviews and whatnot about that. Um, I can go deeper into it, but um, that fits in, again, with the whole genetic reality and how vaccines affect our genes, specifically through a protein 
or an enzyme, I should say, that's called nogalase, which has been discovered and to be present in every major vaccine. And it's kind of a hidden ingredient. But what they found out is that that nogalase enzyme specifically deactivates a certain protein called GC macrophage activating factor, which is basically what fortifies your immune system. And that protein that gets deactivated is a derivative of both bovine colostrum and mother's breast milk. Just okay. to put that out there, it, this, so this whole vaccine thing is pretty crazy. I've studied it in depthly, um, and because of that, I can never, ever recommend anybody ever get a vaccine. Not that I'm a doctor or you need a doctor's permission slip or anything. As a researcher, as somebody that's seen the whole thing um, and just come down based on statistics, based on science, based on results, I can never, ever recommend a pharmaceutical vaccine. But what I can do is recommend natural vaccines and natural antibiotics that have predated pharmaceutical um, drugs, you know, hundreds to thousands of years. And I could give you a quick rundown of what those natural substances are. So people are like, oh, okay, it, it makes sense. When you understand what natural vaccines are, then you understand, oh, and this is what they're trying to sell us. Okay, got it. Yeah, just before you do, I would love for you to touch on that if you wouldn't mind, because I know it's a very, very, very frustrating time for parents to try to figure out what, what, how to do the research for it and how to understand it. And um, when their babies are so little, and you know that's an overwhelming time anyway, it's hard to figure out what decisions to make. Um, that's a lot of what happened to me when I opened my eyes was when my pediatrician, who I you know knew and trusted and really, really liked him, I liked him, he was so nice. Um, he came out with a tray of seven, um, needles for my daughter and they are just laying on a tray like this. So there were no boxes, there was no ingredients, there was no words, there was no name, there were no names, there was nothing. And I looked at them and I said, uh, 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 <laughs> I'm like, no way. Right there, that needle, right? The yeah. needle thing. And as a mother, I can imagine you're like, uh, wait a minute. So you're telling me that you're going to inject a metal needle. Metal, by the way, is a metal. We have this whole thing on heavy metals. What we know about metal injectables or, or titanium rods is that they're immunoreactive. You're penetrating the electromagnetic field that's, in, that's right above your skin, which, which is really the dictator of your health. I won't go into all that. That's a whole other layer of the, of the human evolution kind of perspective. But your electromagnetic... There's a... There's a um, there's an energetic incision, if you will. And then beyond that, you're, in, you're going into the skin. You're creating immediate oxidation, even though it might be micro. You're creating a trauma point in the body to begin with that's going through the soft tissue. That's just that. And then you're injecting an exogenous material or chemical or cocktail of chemicals into the bloodstream that the body is going to deem foreign, it's going to cause an immunological reaction, an immune system reaction. Um, and that's just a little bit of the cascading effect that happens from that perspective. So again, it's kind of like, oh gosh, like as a mother, you don't need to know all that information. It's just added bonus, but you have a maternal impulse, right? right. That you see that. And it's not just like, oh, I don't want my baby to get hurt. It's like, oh, wait a minute. You're going to stick a needle in my baby. Whoa, that's well, something. Well, wait, not, you're not going to even stick one needle. You're going to stick, um, you know, multiple needles 
And I, I didn't know what to say. I was so uninformed and uneducated that I had to make something up on the spot. So here's me. I was like, not only, you know, it, are you going to inject her, I don't know what you're putting inside her. And I don't know what you're putting inside yeah. Wow. I don't even know what you're putting inside her. And, you know, my husband looked at me like, ooh, uh-oh, because he's not one to speak up. You know, and I was I was so nice about it. I mean, I was nice, but it doesn't mean, you know, our, our doctor wasn't offended. He was offended. And I said, you know, um, I'd like to I'd like to learn more about this before we would make this decision. I'd like to find out what it you know, what what it is, is inside the syringe. And then I and so I was questioning his authority, essentially. And then I said to him, I said, or I was making stuff up like like seriously off the top of my head. I was like, or maybe she needs like a blood test because then you could at least know her, you know, um, bodily, like, numbers and whatever, like, statistics, not statistics, but just her levels. Before you do that, in case there's any type of reaction, we'll know what, what got affected. And he's like, oh, no, because we don't want to poke her. And I'm like, you're about to poke her, like, seven times. What do you mean you don't want to poke her another time? Like, this seems important. So, you know, I walked out, but a lot of parents don't, you know, they don't, they don't have the courage to walk out or go against, but, um, it's a very scary thing, you know, to have to make that decision. Yeah. And From, this like is, you said, a place of not knowing, not understanding what you even just said. I'm going to say something that I don't care how controversial it sounds. Cause that's just where I'm at with the whole thing. Cause I honestly, with how crazy the whole situation is, I'm not sure where the human race is going. So I might as well speak up now. Um, there okay. is a recycling process going on in the world right now. It's a natural phenomenon that happens in nature, right? It's not the survival of the fittest. It's the survival of the most adaptable. That was Charles Darwin's dying words, essentially. Anyways, you know, survival of the fittest, and that's created kind of its own crazy situation. But it's actually the survival of the most intelligent, the most clear, and the most adaptable. Your ability to adapt to a toxic environment, your ability to adapt to radiation, your ability to adapt to a pharmaceutical cartel that's imposing upon you fear. And so how do you adapt to that? Well, you don't fight fire with fire. You fight fire with water. And what cools out a fire like love, like compassion, and like self-education? If you love yourself, then you'll be willing to take a step back and evaluate okay, well, what are the long-term potential effects of this activity, um, but not from a place of fear, because that's how they get you. Yeah, it's an yeah. industry built and propagated from fear, and the only way that they can create sales is by basically scaring you into becoming a, a consumer, becoming right. a customer, because nobody really says, um, nobody comes at the whole vaccine thing, like the Surgeon General, if you've seen those crazy commercials that that in those weird interviews that he's out there putting out about vaccines. Oh, they're safe and effective. Okay. Um, but it always comes from a place of like caution. Like, okay, if you don't do this, you're putting all these other kids at school at risk. You, you know, herd mentality, that whole kind of that idea, right? I have um, an answer to that. I always say, I don't understand how we would be putting somebody else at risk. If they're vaccinated, they're protected. Isn't that the point of vaccines? Like herd right. Herd mentality, like does or herd mentality? That's so funny. That's um, it is like a herd mentality, right? Like, um, where, you know, how is my child un who's unvaccinated going to create a potential harm to your child who's been vaccinated? 
Isn't that the reason in the first place that you vaccinated your child to protect them from potential pathogens? That's what, so I, that's, that's what I say. That's what I think. So it's like, it tells you, oh, well, these vaccines must not work very well if your child is even more susceptible to my child who's not vaccinated, right? Yeah, it just, like you said, common sense. To me, it just doesn't make sense. I want to wear a t-shirt every day that says it just doesn't make sense because that's, that's what I walk around saying. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Um... Yeah, herd so, immunity, by the way, just just to clarify, I yeah. said herd mentality, which is still true, but herd immunity is where that idea comes from. Okay, herd immunity. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, it is very fear-based. And I'm glad you said that because everything I teach is teaching, you know, inspiring people to teach and guide through love and not through fear. And, you know, you get a much different reaction from somebody when you approach them with a loving energy than you do with a fearful energy. So I'm really glad that you touched on that. Um I'm trying to see, you know, I have so many things that I wrote down. Um, you know, we actually go to a biological holistic dentist and we really, really researched that. You know, I made sure that I, I found that. And um, I just want people to know, really, I mean, through what you provide in the programs and books and, you know, lectures and everything that you put out there is that there really is so much more new information that can add to our well-being, improve our immune systems. You know, it seems like everybody you need has an immune disorder or an autoimmune disorder. Um, uh-huh. It's just so, you know, it's, it's just, and every, everybody's on like, you know, Synthroid or something, you know? Um, right. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's an important time to, to learn how to empower ourselves. And I'm really grateful that you offer your programs to be able to do that. Um, because overall it's more preferable to be able to go these routes. Absolutely, and, and, and a new model of education that's being created through online online uh, dissemination of information that's way more complete and it's non-censored, which I love about it. Um, and just so everyone knows, in that course, I have I do have multiple videos dedicated to creating natural antibiotics and natural vaccines. So if people want to like learn a lot more about that, then the program would be a great resource as well. Okay, beautiful. And I, I have to tell you, so I think I told you earlier, my daughters are 10 and 12. They, if I say this to people, they don't really hear me. It's almost like I'm speaking another language, but they wow. have never taken antibiotics. Yeah, They just right. And everybody's like, oh, okay, well, that's great. Like, nobody even hears it because they're just so used to it being part of our world and part of our life. So thank you for this, you know, beautiful conversation um, I think we can plan to speak again, and I'm I'm so um, you know excited to promote you know what you're teaching and what you're sharing, so that we can we can even learn. And I just I want to thank you for your time today, and I want to you know thank all of our listeners for having an open mind. Just keep an open mind so that they can figure out what's best for them and what's best for their families by listening to their bodies, listening to how they feel, looking at the results that are happening in their own home rather than on the news. Right. Or at their doctor's offices. Yeah, turn off the plug and drug. I have, Michael Beckwith has a great phrase. He says, we need to stop watching television and start telling a vision. Oh, I right? love that. So I get love your him. Family, get your family together. Shut off the, the, the idiot box and start telling a vision together as a family. And then you'll actually have a much stronger family dynamic and you'll be healthier. And you all can work together as a cohesive unit Instead of what most families are, which is fragmented and broken, um, and everyone's kind of out for themselves. So that's a yeah. really important thing. 
Connection and unity, absolutely. I, I'm with you all the way. So I'll have links to your, you know, your program and your books and your, your website, your YouTube, all your social media um, on our site and information about your Holistic Health Mastery Certification Program. Um, I'll have all of that on pranaboost.com. So. And I just want to um, take this moment. Um, I don't know when this interview is coming out, but this is my brand new book, The Holistic Health Mastery Program. And this is a seven-year endeavor that is finally hitting the market um, mid to late July. So pretty quickly here, I just want to put a little plug there. That will be available on my website if you follow me on Facebook. Um, and then, yeah, you, the, I'm sure you'll have the links, holistichealthmastery.com for the online certification course. I mean, there's so much stuff that I'm just piling on all the years of content that I've been creating. And I'm just putting it into informational packages for people in the form of books and courses and articles and, and free video information. I mean, it's just the final frontier. So now it's like, give it all away. Just put it all out there. Yeah. And the truth is, I mean, there's a lot of free information if you can't afford to purchase or invest, but then, you know, once you get hooked, you're going to want to, you know, you're going to want to spend this money and invest in this way. You know, i my girls, my girls actually know that they always say, well, pay now or, you know, pay later to treat later. the problems. Cause People are always like, you spend a lot of money on your food and you, you know, you're, and I said, yeah, we're investing in our wellness now so we don't have to pay for illness later. So when you pay later, it's everything. It's right. everything you own. It's everything you've accumulated that should be going on to your, to your children and their children, but it's going to the medical model and the, the government essentially. So in the corporation. So it's like, choose where you want your life resources to go. Do you want to go to your lineage and nonprofits and all the things that you aspire for do you want it to go to the machine right absolutely all right well i want to thank you for your time today i'm so grateful i love the background behind you um mm. seeing where you are this is a beautiful sky and beautiful environment so i want to say namaste mm, namaste thank you and uh, this has been wonderful I, I shall speak to you soon i look forward to it thank you so much for having me okay thanks ronnie aloha aloha